This is Hotshot Archery's Outdoor Podcast. The show starts in three, two, one, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hotshot Archery Outdoors Podcast. This is Robin Parks. Also with me is my co-host, Logan Chartrand. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This week, hey, Logan, how's it going, buddy? Doing good. Uh, I know you're excited. I'm excited this week. Uh, we're really fortunate to have a couple of the guys from um, Dave Smith Decoys with us. Uh, we also have uh, seemingly a regular that's inserted himself into our company, Hotshot Pro Staffer Derek Craig. Hi, guys. And uh, specifically from DSD, we have Dave Smith. Hello, hello. And Brad Cochran. What's going on? So, guys, I'm glad we're all together. Uh, it was not easy to get a time, but uh, I'm glad everyone found that time. And uh, I really appreciate you joining us. And, Derek, thanks for uh, helping us make this connection. No problem. I'm glad to do it. Yeah, thanks. Our, thanks for having us. So, so this is. I'm just really excited to just jump right in. Um, probably the first thing we should do, if if you guys don't mind, is um, just give us a little bit of info about yourself and uh, what your roles in the company. We'll start with you, Dave, if you don't mind. Obviously, you're the owner, but uh, besides that, tell us a little bit about your company and uh, what your roles within the company actually consist of these days. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I am just a co-owner. So uh, Brad and I are equal partners. And uh, I, I founded the company myself, uh, but I could get nowhere with it because I don't really have a, a brain. Um, and luckily, I found somebody who does and, in Brad. And then um, we also have another partner, um, Greg Hogan, who also has a brain and is a, a really hard worker. So thank thank God for those guys. Um, otherwise, we we would be nowhere. But I just, um, you know, I have a background in industrial sculpture. I worked for Nike for seven years doing uh, clay sculptures of footwear. And I worked for research mannequins doing taxidermy mannequins. And I worked for Fila doing uh, clay sculptures also. So, and I just love hunting. So, um, I, you know, I just, I just started it because in my, in my own goose hunting, I wasn't happy with the decoys that were available at the time. And I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll just make, I'll just make my own. So that's kind of how it started. I just, you know, made, made a few decoys and Brad and I hunted together a lot. And then we guided together. And we we kind of enjoyed the success of having those decoys without really without any other people having them or a few other people having them, just mostly our friends. And it just sort of grew into a business from there. And so my role is I just um, I mean, I, I help with every decision, every major decision. Um, but I am I'm mainly the product guy. So. Um, I do every sculpture um, of of every product, and <coughs> excuse me, and I um, and I will have I'll put input in on what products you know I think that we should make, but even that is 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 a decision that 
you know, as many of as many of us as possible make together. Awesome, awesome. What about you, Brad? What could you tell us about your role within the company and uh, what your focus is? Yeah, well, well first off, uh, Dave was kind of underselling his involvement in the business. He's actually a very intelligent guy. And like he said, he, he provides a lot of valuable input. And, you know, we're, we're in communication um, with him daily. And so I actually work out of the shop. And um, I, I handle, you know, mostly the really exciting stuff, the, the bookkeeping, the payroll, you know, the, the bill paying and all that really fun, exciting stuff. Um, but, uh, and, and we have, Greg is, is great. He's our general manager. And for a lot of years, I was trying to do all of the above. Um, but Greg's been on board for three years now, and he's just been a godsend because um, not not only is he better than I ever was at managing the crew, you know, to, to make our decoys for us, but uh, he's, he's a great guy. And he, it, him taking that role over has really freed my mind up, you know, more than more than anything. And I think Dave and I communicate a lot more regularly now and uh, and better than we used to because I was constantly, you know, bogged down and stressed out. And, and um, so it's Greg's, Greg's been amazing. And like Dave said, he and I met um, right at the end of my uh, college days. I was at Oregon State. And as I was nearing graduation, I really didn't have um, a career in mind. I, I, I ended up with an accounting degree but uh, I really wasn't looking to get, you know, go to work full time for an accounting firm. I was actually kind of dreading that. So it was, uh, I guess you could say, really lucky for me that I happened to meet Dave at a time um, when he, he was just starting to make his decoys, basically. I think he made them for, what, Dave, like a year before I met you? Yeah, yeah. And at the time, you know, I, I was very passionate hunter and i was just really frustrated with the decoys that were available at the time you know we have a lot of small geese here in the willamette valley where we live and um all of the decoys on the market were were too big and they weren't realistic enough and it was um i guess fortuitous that i happened to meet dave when i did because what he was making at the time which was very groundbreaking you know an ultra realistic Ultra realistic goose decoy was exactly what I was looking for. So um, I, I was immediately drawn to his talent. And um, yeah, so we, we actually started guiding goose hunts together. We did that for two years and realized that there was, uh, you know, no longevity in it. There, it was too seasonal. And um, so, no, we decided to partner up on the decoy side of things. and. The rest is history. Yeah, I find that really interesting, and that kind of leads into one of the questions that Logan and I had for you guys. Um, myself, I can't speak for Logan, but I can speak for myself. I came to know DSD because of the turkey decoys, because turkey hunting is, you know, probably my biggest outdoors passion. And but but in reality, you guys. Um, I guess you just said you started with 
goose decoys, right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. And, and so my, I would assume then that the geese decoys are probably your biggest part of your business. Is that right? Uh, well, if you're talking overall volume, we sell slightly more goose decoys than we do turkey decoys. Actually, this year with the release of our snow goose decoy, um, there's more of a gap now. It's actually pretty, pretty one-sided now. But uh, the turkeys, turkeys is still a huge component of our business. I mean, right now we're we're really slammed with orders. So, um, and and that's the way that it is. It starts picking up in January. And February gets pretty busy, and then March is just absolutely slammed, and um, April isn't much better. So it's 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 busy, and actually, it's surprising how many guys are still buying turkey decoys in May. Uh, yeah, I I've been known to buy a turkey decoy or two in May myself. It seems like for me the season's going on, going on, and then I just like uh, maybe I want to try that one, and so. I go ahead and pick one up at the end of the season, but um, it's pretty cool to hear that it's it all started with a goose decoy, and I, I, I'm going to venture a guess that a lot of our listeners probably did not know that about DSD, but um, it, it also was surprising to me for whatever reason. My assumption was you guys were in the Midwest, so that's not true. You're actually out in Oregon, correct? Correct. We're in Oregon, no. So um, Logan and I specifically have kind of avoided discussions of um, the coronavirus and let our podcast kind of be an escape for everybody. But uh, I think everyone, at least I am, interested to know how has uh, this crisis, this uh, epidemic affected your business specifically or has it? Well, well. Go, go ahead, Brad. Um, I was just going to say we've we've been really fortunate in that uh, it really hasn't directly affected our business um, a whole lot. And really, from a sales standpoint, we can't we can't see any any kind of evidence that it's uh, had any effect on orders. And um, we're we're way up from last year, so maybe if anything, um, you know, I'm sure some of that is related to more marketing that we've been doing we've got scott on board he's phenomenal um but also i I wonder if more people aren't uh, turkey hunting this year just because they don't have anything else to do right now you know (laughs) right so uh yeah so from a sales standpoint it's been a really good year um and coronavirus has i would say not had a tremendous impact on on sales now we were pretty concerned that um our governor was going to shut down you know the state and all non-essential businesses like ours and um fortunately um she came out and said that uh as long as non-essential businesses could practice safe uh social distancing during the work um that, that they could remain open and so we have Great, great. That's uh it's not a great topic, but it is interesting. Uh Logan and I do like to focus on the business aspect and let our listeners 
kind of get a, a handle on, you know, what an outdoor business perspective really is. Uh, people assume that every outdoor business equates to a giant big factory and a hundred employees, if not more. But um, it's nice to know that you guys are, are rolling along and haven't been affected too much. I'm going to throw one more thing out there and I'm going to turn it over to Logan. I've been shutting him out so far, but uh, I wanted to grab Derek and have him jump in. Derek, why don't you just tell us um, how, what your involvement with DSD has been and how you know these guys. Yeah. So, um, you know, as probably most people know, you know, I'm a big Turkey hunter. I'm also a huge waterfowl hunter. Um, I have been for as long as I can remember. And, so it's kind of funny that um, many, many years ago, when I was transitioning over from a flute goose call over to a short read goose call, um, and I was looking for, like, how do I do this? I actually picked up a CD that Dave produced. What was the name of that CD, Dave? Uh, Breakthrough or Breakthrough 2? Yeah, I, I can't remember. It was one of those. But yeah, it was, so it was basically was uh, how to blow a short read goose call. And so I basically learned the basics from Dave before I ever knew Dave. And then, uh, so when these guys came out, I always knew about their goose decoys, but at the time it just wasn't something in my wheelhouse as far as spending money goes. But when they came out with the very first hard body hen decoy, um, I saw that online and I was like, dude, I'm buying that thing. And so I bought it and uh, fell in love with it. And then, bought the Jake decoy when that came out and fell in love with it and had tons of success and was uh, shooting video and posting them. And uh, I think it was, I can't remember the guy's name who worked for him back then. He came across some of my videos and we had some exchanges and all that. And uh, so I, I was familiar with them. And, and in 2011, Mike saw him from Magnus Broadheads and I were, at the 2011 NWTF convention in Nashville. And uh, we had a booth, Magnus did. And the funny thing was right across from us was the DSD booth. And they had a mountain of boxes of decoys there. And I had never met Dave or Brad before that. And uh, so I walked over and I introduced myself to Dave. And we got talking and he was like, dude, I've seen, I know your name. I've seen your face. And so we kind of got talking about videos and that's kind of how it all came about. So, and then met Brad and similar discussions. And so we all just kind of clicked over that one show and, you know, they, they vaguely kind of knew who I was in a way. And I of course knew who they were. And uh, so ever since then, we've just kind of had this open friendship dialogue uh, as a group together. And uh, we hunted together in Kansas. Uh, Oh gosh, probably three years or so ago. And, uh, just really, it's been uh, one of those through technology, um, a friendship deal, you know, DSD and these guys can detest this and say more, but they don't have a pro staff. And so I'm not a pro staffer for DSD. I'm know these guys, um, as friends and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I do everything I can to promote their product because I absolutely believe in it. And so I own a, trailer full of goose decoys that i've paid for they've not been given to me by these guys i own their buck decoy that i paid for not been given to me i own i think every turkey decoy that these guys make and in some cases multiple of ones of them 
So that's kind of my relationship with him. And we've just become friends over the years. And Greg Hogan, uh, he's absolutely a phenomenal guy, a great friend as well. I hunted with him personally out in Kansas, he and I together. And so that's kind of my history with these guys, you know, in a quick nutshell. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny how the more podcasts we do, the more of the similar stories just like that that we that we encounter. And the same goes for me. The same goes for Logan's experiences. It's just kind of this inner circle of uh, hunting industry. And um, time and time again, you know, you find uh, these happenstance friendships made and and overall just the number of good people it is awesome so logan you've been shut out jump in here buddy what do you got yeah so i i really wanted to know a little bit more actually from each of you so far dave you mentioned a lot when you were talking about what you had done before working for nike you had done some taxidermy for him so obviously some animal stuff in there but how many birds had you carved or ever done from a personal perspective I'd like to know a little bit more about what it was like trying to carve that first decoy. Is that something that you had done on the side and came pretty natural? Or was it more just the the sculpting that you were doing professionally and led into being able to, was it look at a picture? Were you looking at uh, a stuffed bird somewhere? I'd love to know what it was like as you were making that first decoy. Well, I would say it was a super easy transition. and. Um, it felt really, really comfortable. Honestly, I felt more confident doing that first bird sculpture than I probably did any any shoe or any mammal that I did for research mannequins. And I think so. With me, what what I need is I need motivation. And if and if I've got motivation, I mean, I set my mind to something, and I I I just like really dive into it and stuff. And I was really motivated at that point because. I just, uh, I loved goose hunting so much. I mean, I still do. I just loved it so much, but I just saw this just gigantic opportunity because, I mean, I, I really felt confident that I had the ability to, to do it. And I'm, I'm really meticulous about, about details. I'm just super anal and I'm just way into tiny little details. And I just drive everybody uh, around me nuts. And, um, but I looked at the decoys that were available at the time, and I just thought, my gosh, like, how are the birds going to react when, when, if I could make something that's just ultra, ultra realistic? Because um, there's just nothing else out there that was even, you know, everything was just really suggestive. And, you know, I was reading books like, you know, Dennis Hunt's book. Um, he, he flat out stated at the time, he said um, that, that, he said, I can't remember exactly the quote, but he basically said that geese hate decoys. And the, the, the purpose of decoys is to lure geese just into shotgun range. And I just thought, there's no way. That, that's not good enough. Like, I, I just, just, everyone was just deciding that that's, that's what, what you do with decoys, just something to sort of, sort of attract them, get them interested, and call a little bit and try to get them, in, you know, into. 45 yards. Oh, uh, no, I want them in my <laughs> lap. I want to spook them up off the ground around me when I jump up to shoot. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, like the, the funnest thing, well, with the type of goose hunting that we've done a lot of, I mean, the funnest thing is to try to try to build up a big bunch um, on the ground and, you know, 
is this is live decoys and stuff. And you know, at that time, it's like that was just unheard of. Like no, no one had ever, no one had ever done anything like that. And uh, you know, we uh, so I was really motivated. And and um, the like with uh, when you're doing a shoe sculpture, you know, you you like you make these drawings or you get drawings from someone, and you you try to bring it to life, but it's just you know, a shoe, it's still just a shoe when you're all done. It's just, um, but, but like this goose, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like something that God created and, and it's just so perfect. You know, everything about it is just gorgeous. I mean, I'm just like, I'm totally enamored with, with everything in wildlife, like every, every shape of any, almost every animal. There's a few that are Maybe maybe not like an armadillo or something like that. But <laughs> the majority of animals, I'm just like completely just infatuated and just enamored with. And um, like geese are so interesting to me and just so cool. And I just couldn't I couldn't stand it trying to um, if I if I were to you know I'm not very good at sculpting something um, really well or really making it right, but I'm pretty good at figuring out when something is wrong. And and um, so that's why it takes me a long time to do a sculpture. But if as that one, as that first one was going along, if something wasn't right, it just didn't look aesthetically and really sexy and just really cool and really goosey and goose-like and stuff like that. Then I just stopped and I didn't get in the giant hurry. I mean, I spent six months on that first sculpture and I just let it take as long as it's going to take. And uh, you know, just I just pictured you know me and Brad. Um, you know, with guide clients and and um, just just totally owning <laughs> the whole guiding, you know, the whole guiding business in the Willamette Valley because we had the decoys and no one else did. And you know, and honestly, that's that's what happened. It, we made it. We made it come true, and it it was super super fun. Yeah, that's so crazy to go from. All right, I'm sitting out here knowing what. I need as a machinist, there's oftentimes I'll look at something, whether it's on my bow or anything and be like, I think I can make that. I I've got the know-how, the skill to do that. And to be able to, especially when it's tied to such a passion, I can hear just talking to both of you, how into goose hunting you are. I wish I would have gotten that big into goose hunting. I would say I'm equally that much, but on the duck side of things. Um, so it's like ducks and then bow hunting is pretty much it until it comes time for spring and it's time to focus on turkeys being such passionate goose hunters. Was it the market that drove you towards wanting to do Turkey decoys? Was, do you also have that passion for Turkey hunting, that same passion like you do for goose hunting? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, so I, Brad is the one that introduced me to Turkey hunting and he was the one who kept telling me, um, We've got to make a we've got to make a turkey decoy. We've got to make a turkey decoy. And I looked at the shapes of turkeys, and I was like, "Wow, these are these are really cool too." I mean, and I I had paid attention, and I'd seen wild turkeys and stuff like that. And I, you know, I I'd been exposed to just a little bit of turkey hunting and stuff, but um, you know, it's just that exactly that same situation in that. Uh, I looked at the decoys. That's that's what got me excited and what gets, gets me pumped up still today. Um, I looked at the current turkey decoys and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. This is the, you know, the turkey market for decoys is exactly the way geese, geese were when we first started. No one is putting the time and effort into making a, a good turkey decoy. And you, know, you can see all these 
you know, read all the stuff about, oh, turkeys have a pea-sized brain and, and a whole bunch of people um, were way into calling without, without using a decoy. And um, we just, we, you know, we just looked at that and just thought, you know what, the, the goose hunting has gotten so much more fun once we got really good decoys. And it's like, now let's make turkey hunting so much more fun too. So if we can get turkeys come in five or six, six yards or eight yards um, and just completely, you know, molest your decoys, and, you know, attack them and hump them and, um, you know, and all that stuff. It's like, wow. I mean, I, it's if somebody does a turkey hunt, they would wonder why, what we're talking about. Why is that fun to watch, watch birds like hump your decoys? But, um, but you know, you guys being turkey hunters, you you understand. Like, it's pretty cool to have that interaction, and um, that that still gets us super motivated. And, um, like the decoy that we just came out with this year, the posturing Jake. You work on that, and you kind of wonder. What, what's going to happen with this decoy and how are you going to have fun and stuff? And then um, this year already, our good friend, Mark Woolley, he just took his son, his super, super young son, um, and killed it. His son killed a big old Tom over that, e over that decoy. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that we just kind of dream about when we're, when we're conceptualizing things. And it's what I, what I think about when I'm working on the sculptures and kind of keep, Keeps me going, you know. I also want to ask too, as I'm because I'm on the website now. I'm scrolling around looking at it. I mean, the picture that you all have on the website with the mating motion pair and the tom on top of it, I mean, looking at a live bird and looking at the decoy underneath it, it's it's crazy that it's so realistic. Um, I would imagine you all must have the market pretty well cornered on oscillated turkey decoys. <laughs> yeah, there's probably not too many other options out there yeah as i was scrolling through i went up and down and i'm like what so where did that come from was somebody you know going on a hunt i know with your um snow geese i was listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about you got a big order for them was there somebody looking for a decoy for this was it the beauty of these birds it said why the hell not i'll go for it and see what we can do how did you decide to land on doing an oscillated um well a good friend and customer of ours um by the name of manuel enriquez uh who runs a guide service out of out of mexico um and they offer guided hunts for oscillated and gould uh he he had bought decoys from us over the years uh, for his Gould hunt, and we had painted him a custom Gould color for him. And just this last uh, January, I think it was, he he asked if we would paint up some oscillated for him, and you know we talked about it and um, said sure. And so he ordered half a dozen of them, and uh, we took them to the NWTF where we delivered it the decoys to Manuel at the show and decided we would just put a couple on, you know, display at our booth. And, um, yeah, they, they drummed up some attraction. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're nowhere near <laughs> in terms of sales volume, you know, any of our other decoys. <laughs> I can only but, imagine. Uh, yeah. We've sold a few this year. 
Awesome. It's so cool to hear the stories about how some of these things come up. I've got one final question, and then I promise I'll shut up for at least a little bit. I'm starting to feel like Derek here. Um, so whether the goose decoys, the deer decoy, the turkey decoys, they're not cheap. Nothing about them is cheap. And Dave, you mentioned the time that goes into those, which also means they're not inexpensive. So somebody who is trying to decide to lay out their money, what was it like bringing out a decoy that was well above, at least on the turkey side? I know there were some somewhat expensive, I think goose decoys in general can be expensive, uh, but bringing out something that was so far above the market, even though you knew that it was worth it, what kind of thoughts or feelings, what went into that? What was that like to come out with that pricing structure? Well, so, I mean, the you know, the majority of the decoys on the market are, are you know, kind of mass produced in China. So, um, and where labor costs are really low and, uh, yeah, we just knew that there's no way that we could compete with that. And we, you know, even though our prices are high, our profit margin is actually really low. Like it's, this is a, it's a labor of love. This is, you know, like Brad said, he, you know, graduated from college and, you know, he just didn't want to go, he didn't want to go work in a cubicle and stuff. And, and, you know, and I, I really don't want to go back into footwear or, any, or anything like that or um, or what, whatever I would be doing. Um, but so it's it's more of like, well, we, we would do anything to keep from having real jobs. So it's not really, not really profitable, but at the same time, the cost of materials is extremely high and, and labor is just really high. So we kind of thought, well, we'll just, you know, we'll charge a, you know, we'll charge what we have to charge and, um, you know, people will either buy them or they won't. And the, the majority of people that buy them, they really love the idea that, that not everybody has them. Like if these were so popular and, uh, but everyone, you know, that every, everyone had them, they probably wouldn't be as effective. So, you know, it's just the the market already has a whole bunch of, you know, um, price-driven um, decoys available if you know if, if cost is is the the, the primary um you know criteria there's a lot of them that are available <laughs> and then um but what the market doesn't have um the niche that we try to fill is you know well what if what if you just wanted to use the very best materials you possibly could like make a decoy to where if you shot it you could shoot it with an arrow and it wouldn't ruin your decoy you could shoot you know you could you could shoot it with a shotgun at super close range, and it's just really going to have all, you know, really no discernible effect on your decoy. And so those materials cost a lot. They're really expensive, and the process for making the decoys is just unbelievably expensive. But it's, it fills a tiny little niche. It's not a huge niche, but it does fill a niche. There's enough people out there that, that, that want that. And so we sort of just make it. And charge what we have to, and and we, you know, we just wouldn't like if no one bought them, we probably would have just made them for ourselves and and just hunted hunted with them, enjoyed them. But you know, enough people wanted them, so I mean, you know, thank God and knock on wood and stuff like that. We just we just keep keep at it, and the demand is still there. You know, thank thank God. Yeah, it's awesome that you're able to bring that to the market and just say here here's what it is, and it's for those who might be passionate. I don't see or hear anything 
even just in our conversation so far where it's you're in this for the money or we just thought we could really start to charge as much as people wanted to spend. So I think it's awesome that you've also been able to see that support and that people see the value in having something that is damn near as much art as it is utility in their toolbox for success. I appreciate that. And the thing is, is like, you know, we, we really don't care about the, the art side of it. Like, which, and I know that sounds contrary to what I've said in the past, but, um, you know, we just, we just love hunting and, um, that, and we don't really care what, I wouldn't care what the decoys look like. Like if you, if you told me right now that if you, if you painted a decoy and made it, you know, all blue, um, or made it square shaped and it would work better. I, I mean, that's what we would start making this big square blue block. Um, <laughs> So we just love hunting and we just love you know, getting birds in really, really close and, and whatever it takes to get that. And that's the only thing we really focus on is just try to make the most effective, effective decoys we can. And we just don't really even care about anything else. And would you, would you agree with that, Brad? Yeah, I guess um, I, I do, but uh, I feel very relieved i guess you could say that the decoys do happen to be very artistic because honestly one of the things i really love about the decoys is um during the you know slow period of any hunt which let's face it is most of the time you're sitting there you don't have a turkey right in front of you or a deer or birds working your goose decoy spread or anything i just love to look out and admire the decoys you know i love beautiful looking decoys um i'm really into details too like dave and and um you know getting back to the whole pricing uh discuss part of the discussion you know you had asked <laughs> you had asked how much thought we put into the uh, price point and and um like dave was saying it's basically we never talk about it i mean we just we sell them for whatever we have to but um you know, if, if selling them for twice as much as is we're selling selling them for right now um, would be what it took to stay in business, we would. You know, I, what Dave's saying is we just want to make the most effective decoy on the market. We don't care about having the prettiest or the most popular decoy. It's really all about you know how they how well they work in the field. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Logan. It's um that's pretty much the business model for, for hotshot archery and our releases is yeah, sure. We could, we could find ways to make them cheaper and, and have a cheaper line of releases out. But, uh, we've chosen the higher level path and to keep our releases a higher quality. So that when our customers decide to spend the money on our product, that, you know, the response is, um, it's the best release they've ever felt. And, um, you know, we hear that time and time again. And so, no, we might not be the biggest release company, but our focus is making the best releases that we absolutely can. So, um, I can certainly appreciate that. And I know that's exactly what Logan was thinking when he said, sounds familiar. So it's, it's really awesome when we come across another company and we hear that same sort of philosophy come out and, I'd appreciate you guys with that point of view for sure. Right on. Well, that that um, 
that leads us to we we kind of want to hear your uh, your story of how how you guys got started and a little bit of company history if if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, Hot Shot Archery is our doing business name. Hot Shot Manufacturing is our actual business name, and the owner and president is Dave White. Um, I work for Dave and Hot Shot. Um, I do the marketing, the pro staff coordinations, uh, the social media, along with Logan's help. Logan is a pro staffer, but has a big part in our social media pages. And um, Dave bought the Hotshot um, name and product line about 11 or 12 years ago. Hotshot was one of the very first mechanical releases uh, to, to ever come on the market. And some of those models are still around today. I get pictures from people uh, quite often that come across that old antique looking original hotshot release and it's pretty neat. But um, Dave took the company and kind of turned it into uh, a high top end level release line. And um, even in, you know, the slower market archery industry lately, We've managed to to keep an even keel or even uh, creep upwards, so we're pretty excited about that. And um, kind of like you guys mentioned, you know, I think our our marketing efforts, especially on the grassroots level, is what's really our focus and has helped us to uh, gradually build our brand and become more and more of a, a household archery type name. And um, we're pretty proud of it, and we're certainly proud of the quality of releases. Right on. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are doing well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to throw in a little bit. Uh, I was really happy to hear, uh, I don't remember if it was Brad or Dave, but someone mentioned the goose decoys and how if guys could have their decoys ring a goose to 45 yards, that was good enough, but that wasn't good enough for you guys. and. That is really what brought me to be a DSD customer because I'm an old throwback shotgun hunter that kind of got tired of that game and was getting a little bored. And our listeners know, Logan knows, and so does Derek, that for me these days, the excitement of turkey hunting is to have a turkey in my decoys like five yards away, right in there engaging, beating them up on top of them, whatever it might be like that is where the excitement is for me. And kind of like Derek said, I'm not a pro staffer. All the listeners I know I'm not affiliated with DSD. I'm not a pro staffer. Yes. I use their products. I've bought them. I'm using them because I think they're the best. And, um, Oh, you just got one like know, two days ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just got a new one in the living room right now. I bought the, uh, full strut Jake decoy that has the, integrated wings so that was the key to me was i was glad to see you guys integrated the wings so that was a new addition it's ready to roll hopefully at the end of the week oh so cool. yeah you know we we integrated the wings on the on the tom strutter too this year yeah and i think that's a great idea i think um i just for me like I have wings in the freezer, but I was reluctant to try to go through that hassle and keep them from getting damaged. And and you guys did a great job with those wings too, because they look awesome. So I, I'm pretty excited to put that 
that decoy to use um, with the other ones that I have here starting in about, oh, maybe three or four days if the weather will hold. Is that right? And and where are you? So, yeah. So back to Hotshot. Hotshot's factory or our shop, I hesitate to call it a factory, is in Utah. But personally, I live near St. Louis, Missouri, and so does Logan. Um, so we're here in Missouri in the Midwest. Um, I'll be hunting Nebraska at the end of the week. And then late next week, I'll be headed to Texas. And then after that, it'll be a mixture of Missouri and Illinois and then Illinois again, and maybe Kansas too. So. Oh, you are a serious turkey hunter then. All right. Yeah. I, I pretty much am going nonstop from the last week of March until, Either I'm out of tags or out of seasons at the end of May. I'm one of those guys that usually spends that holiday weekend at the end of May turkey hunting somewhere when it's 100 degrees. <laughs> uh, I love hunting in May. May is my favorite month. Derek, you still with us, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, no, I hadn't gone to sleep at all. No, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, uh, I'm supposed to head to uh, Texas with Robin here and. A week and a half so we're looking to uh pile them up down there and i'm uh i'm gonna give the uh new uh uh jake decoy i'm gonna give that uh, guy a new uh, try a posturing uh, jake so uh we'll see so um yeah I, I i gotta say real quick i'm i had a little buyer's remorse that i didn't choose that one over the strutter jake to be honest uh i almost wishing i would have went with that because the more I take a look at it and the more I'm hearing about it, I, I'm going to probably end up with one of those two, but so maybe, so yeah, maybe I, I'll I, shoot one over years in Texas, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually wanted to ask Dave or, or Brad or both on that because Dave, Dave and Brad know myself, um, as far as my hunting goes, I'm, I'm infatuated with the strutter decoy. I, I love the strutters. Um, I've had so much success with them over the years. Um, my, you know, Matt winners came up with the idea of the white face and he and I prototyped them and test them exclusively together. And, uh, we've had so much success. And then I, I've had a ton of success over the motion mating pair. Um, and so when the new one came out, I was like, man, I just love these others so much, but uh, I was talking to Greg Hogan and, and, uh, so I, I had them send me one of those. And so I want to know like Dave and Brad, so what was your, what was your thought or what drove you to doing that posturing Jake when you've got these others that, I mean, people like myself and many hunters across the country and yourselves have had so much success with, what was the driving factor in that decoy? Well, so I would say that it was, you know, a a couple of things. Um, For the most part, the poses that we've done in the past have been pretty pretty unaggressive and that's you know the strutter i guess you could call it aggressive but a strutter really isn't you know isn't really isn't really an aggressive pose you know it's just i mean it can it can uh you know it can elicit a response from from other gobblers but you know it's really just a mating pose just a display and um so we we were a little a little hesitant to try to make a pose that was a little more you know cocky aggressive and stuff and Honestly, um, you know, that goes clear back to um, when our Jake decoy got, you know, got completely, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would say it just got 
It got emulated. By, it got copied, uh, Dave. It got copied. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so the the way that they sold that was they 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 tried to convince everyone that they changed it so much and it needed this huge improvement, and that's 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 how they justified copying it by they they tilted the head up a little bit, and and even when they did that, like in my observations of Turkey, they they still got it all completely wrong, and it's the wrong pose to have it to have the head tilted up, tilted up, and so I've been pretty hesitant to do any any pose where the head's tilted up a little bit, and even on this one. When I worked on that sculpture, I mean, I had that head in 10 different spots. Like I had it lower than it is right now and I had it higher than it is right now. And I just studied footage. Um, I just, a lot of the footage that we got ourselves, I, I really try to pay attention to what, what's going on, when and why the head's um, tilted up. So what I ended up with is this, you know, this, it's the, our posturing jig. And um, it's, it is a little bit of a cocky pose. It's not super aggressive. But it's definitely cocky. It's, it's a bird that's showing some confidence, <coughs> and um, the head isn't tilted up really high. But you know, the main thing is I just didn't want to. I kind of I didn't want to. It would if I were to put that head up high, it would it would sort of be like us like admitting that that way was better. And and it really, <laughs> you know, it really it really isn't. You really don't want the head up up really you know, up really high and stuff, but that's kind of where it ended up. And, um, we're, we're, we're happy with it. We felt like it was just, you know, just, just the right amount. And, you know, just like with any pose, it just comes from like the first thing I do when we decide we're going to do a new pose. I really love that part because I, I just spend a lot of time, um, on the computer and looking through footage and looking through photographs and looking at YouTube videos and, um, and so that's sort of a fun, that's sort of a fun part because it's just really lazy. It's just really super easy. You can like listen to music and um, all that stuff while you're doing it. But um, once, once you figure out that, okay, this is what we need. This is the pose that we need. And it has to be different enough from poses that we already have. Um, otherwise there's really no point in doing it. Then it's like, well, okay, now the work, now the work really starts. So I've got a quick question. We're talking about poses and the last couple of weeks we've been doing Turkey Q and a and Robin and I have intentionally been avoiding a lot of the decoy questions of all the different poses out there. Could one of you give us a rundown of why, which pose, why the three quarter strut versus the strutter or the posturing Jake, or in what situations might it be beneficial to have these different poses? Uh, Dave, do you want to take this one? Well, uh, whatever you, uh, <coughs> I'll, I'll, I'll mention some, and maybe you can, maybe you can jump in. Um, so, I guess <coughs> starting with, um, starting with, with the hens. You know, we have an upright hen, and it's just a, it's in a pretty relaxed pose, and it's just, it's just a hen standing there, and it's, it's pretty good for visibility, and then. Um, a feeding hen is just really good for confidence, and that's a that's a pose where you would you most likely add it to to whatever existing decoys you have out. And there's there's almost no number of feeding hens that you could put out that would be too many. And then a leading hen, a leading hen is 
That's that's the pose of a hen that is that's walking, and um, she that pose is useful, especially if you face it sort of toward towards you, um, and you get in a situation where where Tom is like trying is displaying and, and hoping that the hen sees him, and then hoping that the hen comes to him. Um, so he he will he will more likely try to work to get around in front of her, and especially when she's in that. When she's in that pose, it sort of uh, gives the impression that that she's you know possibly gonna gonna you know get away or walk away and stuff. And that's another one where sometimes people will do two or three of those to make it look like you know birds birds that are walking. And and then would those uh, be good? You're saying for mostly for you want those pretty well facing towards you, especially if you might be bow hunting. We have a lot of bow hunting listeners. Um, that'd be a great decoy to have facing towards you so that Tom's going to try to come around and display towards her and give you that opportunity to draw or move whatever you need to do to make the shot. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep, and, then, and then for some people, you know, they just like lots of poses and stuff, and it's getting more popular for, for people to put out um, eight or ten or more decoys. And so sometimes just having a, a variety of poses is good. Um, and then there's the, the the breeding pair. That one kind of <laughs> doesn't require a whole lot of explanation on what's on what's happening there. Um, that's where you you know you see that you these <laughs> these turkeys mating, and you you try to look the other way, but you can't, and and you feel really dirty when you're pulling the string um, to make them to make them do that. <laughs> but, uh, and then also the hen that comes with the breeding pair. That one can be used by 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 herself or with any other with any other gobbler. And that um, it, when you get when you get a gobbler in close and she's in that position, um, basically ready to be bred, um, that sometimes is is really a you know seals the deal. I guess birds to come in and actually actually mount uh, mount that that decoy and um, stay on top of her for quite a while. And sometimes that gives you a good shot. And then on our gobblers, um, the the original Tom Strutter that now has wings integrated, you have to add a tail fan and beard to it. That is sort of um, that's sort of a decoy that you would that you would use, um, you know, especially for like a really um, a really hard to decoy Tom or a really dominant Tom um, when kind of when nothing else would work. Like if some of, some of the others might not be enough of a threat. Um, the, then that um, Tom strutter works really well, and then the jig strutter is a little smaller, which is just a little more convenient to use. <laughs> and uh, you know, th- theoretically, there's a possibility that he is um, a little less intimidating because because he's not as large. Um, and and but mostly, it's just you know he's just really convenient. You know, he just he's easier to pack around. And then our original three-quarter strut, um, Jake, is um, it, that's a good one where it's a, that's a Jake, you know, showing a little a little bit of confidence, kind of thinking about strutting and stuff. And uh, but he's really, really unintimidating. So um, he doesn't, you know, he's just not standoffish, and he just doesn't intimidate any, pretty much any gobbler that comes in. And then the posturing Jake is is um, that's just another. Uh, it's just another pose to add to your arsenal. Like this is a jig, and he's 
really clearly a Jake. Like with our um, with our three quarter strut Jake, you know, we all call it a Jake and stuff, but a, a bird from a distance away, and you can barely really tell that it's a Jake. Um, not that it really matters that much in real life, like a gobbler is a gobbler, but with the posturing Jake, it's a little more obvious that he is a Jake. You can see the the step in his tail tail fan, and um, and that one is just you know designed to really get a little bit of extra um, extra attention, just because he is being a little bit cocky, but yet he's a Jake. And um, what what else what else would you add to that, Brad? Um, well, I would, I guess, from my, um, just own personal preference, um, the strutter decoy is my favorite to hunt over. Um, I just love the visibility and I've just had really, really good success with, with birds, you know, aggressively approaching it and oftentimes and, and maybe even most of the time attacking it. And um, so there's the excitement component of it, too. You know, it's not just super visible, uh, but it's just a really fun, exciting decoy to hunt over. Um, the downside to it being, of course, that it's bulky and it does require you to carry a fan around, too. So if I'm trying to be more mobile, uh, I'm going to go with a smaller decoy. And usually it's going to be our, um, our three-quarter strut, Jake, which is pretty easy to pack around. But um, no, I, I have all our decoys and I use all of them. Um, the mating motion pair, I like uh, during really low light conditions, you know, like hunting a bird off the roost. Um, sometimes it's hard for the birds to see your decoys, especially if you're in the woods hunting them off the roost. And so uh, I think the, the motion grabs their attention a lot better once they're on the ground. And uh, I've I've had really good success with that decoy over uh, um, hunting birds off the roost. Great tip on the motion. So, yeah. You know, and white white face decoys, white face gobblers are good for that too. They they really show up in in low light. They sure do. Yeah. Yeah, and then and like Dave said, um, when it comes to the feeding hens, you know. I'll go out. I have, I think, four feeding hens, and um, there's there are certain hunts I do, especially if I'm going to be hunting out of the ground blind, you know, maybe in open field setting. I'll put all my feeding hens out in in a single gobbler decoy, usually a strutter. And um, yeah, birds birds come into that, and it not only looks really natural, but they just come in very relaxed, you know, with all those heads down. Yeah, that, that that's uh, awesome to hear. Uh, you guys, the company, people behind the designs, talk about the specific purposes and the reasons you came up with those designs. I, I hear people say, why do you need that many decoys and what does it matter? Just pick one and go with it. But, uh, you know, my personal inventory is building as well. I'm not quite up to... Uh, the status of Derek Craig, but I do have a good handful of them now. <laughs> how, how many do you have now, Derek? What'd you got? Uh, well, definitely one of every turkey decoy you make in, in four poses. I think I've got 
two, and I think in the full strutters, I've got three. So I've got a bunch. <laughs> I have a bunch. So if my calculations are right, that puts you at about 16. Somewhere in that ballpark would be right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. 10 poses. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, if, if somebody wants to see a real good comparison of them all, and I know, you know, you guys do uh, product spotlights of each one on your YouTube, but a year or so ago, I did one with every model of DSD uh, Turkey Decoy. I did one video on my New Day Outdoors YouTube channel. And then this year, just like a week or a week and a half ago, I did one of all the male decoys and included the new posturing Jake. So, it's actually is a spot where somebody can go and see every single one of them side by side. And I even talk about kind of the benefits where I would use them in certain situations and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just one of those things for somebody to go and check them out. I appreciate that. Like that's, uh, that's probably the kind of thing we should, we should be doing, but you're way ahead of us, but we appreciate that. I mean, you know, I, yes. So someday, someday I'm going to be on the DSD retirement plan. I know it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at the beginning, he was asking, like, uh, Robin was asking, like, well, how we became friends. And we're like, well, he bought a bunch of our decoys. <laughs> pretty yeah, much exactly. true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, there, um, you know, there, there's, like those guys are saying, there's so many different situations for different decoys. And I catch myself probably too often going to one decoy, and that would probably be the strutter, because I'm so... Uh, content with it and i know it works and then you know when you jump into say the motion mating pair and then all of a sudden you see that how powerful that decoy is um you know i filled seven out of 11 birds in the last two years over that motion mating pair and i'm 99 percent sure i've not i've never had a bird that saw that decoy set up not come in so i'm really looking forward to as much as i love those and don't want to move away from those i'm looking forward to this new posturing jake just to see but at the same time, you kind of get a little bit nervous because you know what other tools work like dang near every time. So, but it's going to be fun. So, yeah, um, Derek, if I could ask you um, for maybe some pointers on how you use your your uh, mating motion pair specifically, how you prevent birds from tripping over the cord. Do you have that? Is that a problem? And what do you do to, um, to solve that problem? So. I actually, a year ago, um, the day I killed uh, my Indiana bird over that, I came back to my house and I did a video just on that. And I, it's basically in the video, I said, in my opinion, it's probably the most underrated decoy setup you've got. And I say that because, you know, it takes time to set up. You gotta, you've got a jerk cord and the whole nine yards. And in that video, I talked about how to set it up, in my opinion. And for me, what's worked best is to set those birds up in like a quartering away from you position and then take the first eyelet because it comes with two eyelets and set the first eyelet right up tight with the hen's tail. So when it comes off the Jake decoy, it actually goes kind of at a probably a 60 degree angle back towards the hen before it goes through the eyelet. And then I bring the second eyelet, I go maybe, uh, six, seven, eight feet away and put the second eyelet and run it down tight to the ground. And in that quartering away position with that string going back, what I found is you can not only get the Jake decoy to do kind of the up and down rocking, uh, as my youngest daughter, Sydney calls it, turkey porn, 
Brad, she absolutely refuses to hunt over that decoy because it grosses her out. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, we probably should have put a sticker on the box yes. that says uh, something along yes. the lines of, you know, not, not recommended for kids under right. the age of 18. Right. So, but it also, when you said it that way, you're able to get it to kind of want to twist a little bit side to side. So in my opinion, visually, as as I've watched turkeys do this in the field, you know, they, they do do that up and down, but they kind of do this swaying back and forth as they transfer their weight from their right foot to their left foot. And so if you face it directly away or directly at you, you don't get that side to side component like I found you do at a 45 away. But as far as your other part of that question, Brad, tripping on the cord, um, first of all, I went to a lighter cord setup. You guys supply a heavier jerk cord on what I would call like a kite string spool. And I went to I went to the hardware store and bought a speed reel. And so it's just like a chalk line. And so it's a thinner cord to begin with. And I can snap it through the eyelets. But I've had turkeys walk over it, not trip on it. Now, I was watching a hunt from Texas last year and uh, just the other day because I was doing some editing for something. I was rewatching it, and that turkey did catch his foot on it, but he was so focused on that decoy. It was like he kind of stuttered with his foot and put it right back down and just went back to, you know, right there engaging that decoy and man, he milled around that decoy milled around. And I finally, you know, shot him at, uh, four to five yards. I think it was. So it's not, I've not had one trip and fall in their face yet. And I've heard guys say that'll happen, but you know, I, Hey, a turkey walks through the woods all day long and trips on sticks, gets his feet caught on things, has to step over things. I don't think they even realize it in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that, that motion that you're talking about, Derek, like that's that's one of the things that kind of drives me crazy. It's that's one of the details that I'm into. Like that that motion that you're talking about where where it is um going side to side, besides up and down. Like that's that was the whole that was the whole design. Like that's just super important. And you can get it if it if it's facing directly towards you, but you, you kind of have to jerk and jerk and jerk until it until it goes to one side and then time your next you know, your next pull so that it goes back further and that goes and, and you can get it going and stuff. It's like working. I don't know if you know what a Zeris spook is like in bass fishing. Like there's, there's a certain way you have to retrieve it for Zeris spook to get that, get that side to side motion. Um, but once you get it, you can keep, keep it going. And that's, that's really important. And then on, you know, we've kind of kicked around the idea of having like a four foot section of tubing or something like that, that you, that you staple down with two or three staples to the ground. And have the you know have the the cord run through that um, to keep birds from tripping tripping over it. But we had haven't really had quite you know we haven't had a lot of complaints about it. Um, but it would be nice to make sure we don't you know. Yeah, I think that's maybe overthinking a, a rare if non-existent problem in a way. When I hear guys talk about that, I. I'm not worried about it because, again, I, I look at a bird and he walks through the woods and he's tripping over and stepping over stuff all the time. I don't I don't think it even phases them, you know, and, you know, so many times I don't care if it's that decoy setup or another. Those birds are so engaged and focused on those decoys. That little string is the last thing that is going to spook them off. So well, especially when they get in close. 
and, oh, and yeah. they're an, anticipating that the decoy might come at them. It, it's funny when they get in there. The closer they get, the more locked in and focused they get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you could one 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 remedy is to shoot them. That's what I was going to say. I feel like you're getting greedy if you're upset that a bird tripped over your decoy cord. Yeah. yeah. The last time, last time he does that. Yeah. But here's the problem. When somebody does that and they miss the bird, this is no different than the broadhead industry guys. The first thing they're going to blame is the product. It can never be the hunter's fault. So <laughs> how could it be? They practiced for at least one shot before they went out in the woods. Awesome. Awesome. This has been, uh, quite the conversation. Um, we're well past an hour already. Uh, I've really enjoyed this guys. I would really like to get together again for a part two on this. Um, our audio has fallen apart just a little bit for some reason. So listeners out there, we apologize, but you know, we are amateurs, so deal with it. Right. Uh, Dave and Brad, uh, we try to always end our show with what we call parting shots to give our guests one last chance to throw one more thing out that's on their mind. I'd like for each of you to give us your parting shot. And uh, also, before we jump off here, uh, please do one of you give us your uh, social media info and your website info, please. Okay, well, my my parting thought is that... um, First of all, thank you guys so much. And um, we're I'm I'm gonna learn as much as I can about about your business too. I think I already have one of your products. If you guys make field points with with a little um, with a little like a, a rubber gasket or something. Yep, yep. Those that's ours. Those are the those are the greatest things ever. I absolutely love those. But I'm I'm gonna get one of your handheld releases um, and check them out and. Um, and then I'm just so thankful for our customers. I'm just I I want everyone to be safe right now. I want everyone to, you know, take it take coronavirus seriously, and uh, don't you know a lot of people tell telling themselves that they oh they must have already had it or whatever. I mean you might you might you may have, but we just don't know. Just everybody just needs to be really really safe. Maybe by the time this airs, we'll be you know we'll all be better or we'll all be dead. Um, but as of that's what's on my mind right now. But the main thing is I'm just super thankful for um, our the whole DSD team for working hard and for all our customers for helping us survive during this tough time. Well said, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I, along the same lines, my my parting line is um, I want to thank all our customers for all their support. You know, really, uh, we're a company that lives in and breeze uh you know customers like like derek you know we have we have dozens if not hundreds of customers like derek that are just super super loyal and you know diehard hunters that who we've come to know over the years and we're just super appreciative um that we've gotten to know you know guys great guys like derek and become friends with them and and um yeah we want to thank them for their support for sure so thanks derek Hey, my pleasure, man. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks for introducing us. And uh, you know, Robin, we appreciate you inviting us onto the show. And um, 
everybody be safe. And I know I'm really looking forward to the upcoming turkey season. Just hoping that they don't shut it down here with all this craziness. But I don't think they will. I think we'll be all right. Brad, why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, website info and your social media info. Okay. Our website is davesmithdecoys.com. That's decoys, plural, davesmithdecoys.com. And our Instagram, uh, boy, I hope I don't get this one wrong. I think it's at davesmithdecoys. Is it? Is that right, Derek? Or yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it is, yes. <laughs> okay. You can tell I don't get on Instagram very much, and Scott... Sprecker, our marketing director, he manages all our social media. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's at Dave Smith Decoys. And, well, and of I, I, I'm guessing a quick search will find you guys on Facebook and Instagram pretty easy. Yeah, and, and on Instagram, or I'm sorry, on Facebook, it, it is Dave Smith Decoys. I do know that. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, Derek, I'm going to see you in about a week, but I'll go ahead and give you a parting shot. What you got? Well, you know, I, I got to go back to everything, you know, that we do. And Robin, you and I've talked about so much is all about great friendships, um, you know, great companies like Dave Smith decoys, like hot shot, you know, the whole made in the USA thing. And I'm just grateful for the friendships that I've made. And I'm, I'm grateful for the friendships with Dave and Brad and, and Greg, um, they're wonderful people. And even if I didn't know them from Adam, I would be using their products because their products have been the total game changer. And I know that gets thrown around too much, but they have been the game changer for me when it comes to turkey hunting, goose hunting. And I've had a heck of a lot of fun, even over their deer decoy. So, I mean, just great products, great guys, great company. And yeah, I'm looking forward to, Hopefully we still get to go in about uh, just over a week to Texas if, uh, you know, they don't shut the entire country down. So, but yeah, everybody be safe and God bless, you know, I mean, stay safe out there this year. Right, right. So for me, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys. I can, like Logan said, I could feel your passion for what you're doing. And that makes, you know, an hour plus a conversation just fly by. That's why logan and i wanted to do this podcast i really appreciate it uh your decoys has absolutely been a game changer for me and um you know it fuels my passion of shooting a gobbler at five yards while he's beating my decoys up uh i mean it when i say it i hope we can get together to do another at least one more of these if not more because I, I I know from our little chat before we started recording, we've got all kinds of uh, fun stuff we could be talking about. So thank you guys very much. Our pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Logan, how about yours? Why don't you give us yours and close us out, buddy? Well, man, now I know how you feel. You stole all my thunder. Um, I never thought that I would be <laughs> sitting around getting to talk with the guys from Dave Smith Decoys, much less Dave Smith himself. So I really appreciate this as a diehard waterfowler and turkey and deer hunting geek. I think this was awesome. Um, I know before we hit record, we were talking a lot about um, some Kansas experiences, and it sounds like we all have some similar Kansas stories. I guess um, we all know people who drive like idiots down two tracks and uh, you <laughs> hang on for dear life. 
I would love to sit down and just do a show that's based on just sharing stories around those hunts. If you guys are ever bored and looking for something to do, we are always down to have um, a great conversation. And I thought this was a really great conversation, getting to learn more about you two and the company. So I just really appreciate you all taking time out of your day to support what we're doing over here. And if there's anything we can do to return the favor, definitely let us know. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Logan. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit us up with your questions and your feedback. It's podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out and tell us what you think about the shows. Talk to everybody next week. Okay. Thanks for having us again, Robin. Yeah, thank you guys very much. It was fantastic. I hope we can do this again. Yeah, like like Logan was saying, it sounds like we all have plenty to talk about still. Absolutely, (laughs) yes, yes. Awesome, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. And like I said, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you all out. Thank you. Okay, so guys. Much. Thank you, Robin. Hey, right. thank, thank you, Pimp Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pimp. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you guys later, man. All right. All see right. you. Bye, guys. Take care.